Park this morning. Uh, the passage of scripture that I just read before our offering, Mark chapter 1, verses 14 through 20. The title of my message this morning is The Good News of God. The Good News of God. As we, we've read, we've seen that Jesus, after John the Baptist was arrested, went into Galilee, began his ministry in Galilee, beginning in verse 14, and began to proclaim the good news of God. Your translation might say, begin to proclaim the gospel of God. Because that's ultimately what the gospel means. It means good news. And the Lord and Savior, the, the unique one that we've been talking about, the Son of God, came into His creation, was baptized by the John the Baptist to symbolically demonstrate um, His his um, identity as a human and the problem that we have as sinful people in the eyes of a holy God. He, he symbolically came alongside of that in baptism and then he literally uh, identified with mankind and our fallenness and sin as he went into the wilderness for 40 days and was tempted in all points like us, but yet he was unique in the fact that unlike you and I, although he was tempted, he remained without sin. He was the spotless Lamb of God because not only was He 100% human, He was 100% God. And He was able to withstand those temptations. And we closed last week with that beautiful passage of Hebrews chapter 4 that says that we have a great high priest who, who knows what it's like. This is my, right? This is not the quote-unquote passage, but it, ultimately it says that he, the high, high priest Jesus knows what it's like to be a human and to struggle in this world that's so dark and full of temptation and, and trial and tribulation because he has, and he, ultimately the writer of Hebrews says he has compassion upon us because of that. He knows and he forever is at the right hand of the Father now making intercession for us. He's our mediator once and for all. And that is some good news. Jesus comes into Galilee, the region in which he is from, and begins to proclaim this good news, the gospel. And so let's see here, in beginning in verse 14, after John was arrested, and I just want to stop and, and talk about that for just a second, right? John the Baptist uh, was the, the one appointed by God to make way, to, to set the way to go before the Messiah. He went out and proclaimed uh, that the, the, the people needed to be ready because the Messiah, he was heralding the Messiah's coming. And we see here that uh, it certainly wasn't um, John's um, experience, nor the apostles, any of the apostles that we see throughout church history. Uh, it certainly wasn't their experience that following Jesus meant health, wealth, and prosperity in this world. Right? John was ultimately arrested and ultimately beheaded because of his stance, his righteous stance for God and for the things of God. But we see here John was arrested in Mark 6, um, the 6th chapter. We'll, Lord willing, be, be, go into that for, in further detail as we arrive there, as we go verse by verse through this gospel. But it tells us why John was arrested. John um, spoke out against Herod, the, the leader of his immorality, that he took his brother Philip's wife as his own. And John righteously spoke out against that and spoke towards him against that. And so he was imprisoned. And ultimately, 
he was he was martyred because of it. But that's why John's ministry ended. He had fulfilled his calling, what God had had given him as his ministry to to make way for the Lord, and ultimately um, he went to 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 prison and ultimately death because of his his pursuit of following God. And church history speaks of all the disciples except for John um, entering into martyrdom and being killed for the sake of Christ. And I, I bring that forward to us because there's often, a, you know, if you're out engaged in this world, um, especially as a pastor, they immediately think that I'm here to, 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 to milk money out of people and to gain fame and prosperity. And I certainly don't see that in Scripture. Following Jesus means to count the cost and take up your own cross and to follow Him and to live for Him. And that's what Christians should pursue and need to pursue. As we encounter Jesus in that saving way, that is the call He's called us all to. Ultimately, that's what I'm going to try to conclude for us this morning in this passage of Scripture. But after John was arrested, um, then Jesus begins to proclaim the good news of God. Right In verse 14b, proclaiming the good news of God or the gospel of God. And this is what He says, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. He goes into Galilee and He says, these three marvelous or four marvelous things, right? And the first one is the time is fulfilled. The understanding that this has always been God's plan from the foundations of the world that He was going to send His Son into the creation to, to, to live the law that you and I could not because of our sinful nature, to live it perfectly, to fulfill it, to become the last Adam as our, the first Adam, the, the physical um, uh, lineage that we inherit from the first Adam and the sinful nature that we, we have because of him, right? It has tainted us and all of humanity and prodded, uh, uh, or has given us an inability to be able to have relationship with God because of our, our, um, our sinful nature. God, we talked about in our Sunday school class this morning, that God is holy. He's set apart. He, he cannot dwell in the presence of sin. And so we have a sin problem. And that's why John the Baptist came to prepare the way of the Lord by declaring baptism for the repentance of sin, that we need have this sin problem in the eyes of holy God. But it is the last Adam, Jesus, who has come without sin, lived the law perfectly, and has been made the, the righteous and um, perfect sacrifice for us on the cross. As we discussed in our Sunday school this morning, the, the reality that, that um, we have this sin problem and, and God cannot be uh, in the presence of sin, yet Jesus has come and, and was tempted in all points like us, yet without sin. Right, it makes a way for us to to be have relationship through us through our to God, not through what we can do, but through what Jesus has done. Jesus stood in our place. Jesus took the payment upon Himself, so God remains just and holy because He has punished your sin, but He hasn't punished it on laid it out your His wrath upon you. 
He laid out, laid out his wrath upon the, his son. Jesus stood in your place. And it always has always been God's intention, as I said, from the foundation of the world, that it would be Jesus, it would be the Messiah who would save his people. Jesus tells his disciples in Luke chapter 24, verses 44 through 49, he tells them this very thing that it's always been God's intention. And that's why it's so exciting that the good news is where at the time is fulfilled. When Jesus arrives on the scene, God's time of, uh, and the, the Messiah and his complete plan of salvation had been fulfilled. Jesus arrives and proclaims it. All that God is purposing has been fulfilled. The time is now. And Jesus tells his disciples in Luke 24, after his, his death and burial and resurrection, he appears to them on Emmaus' road and begins to tell them all the things that the scriptures had talked about and that those scriptures of the Old Testament talking about him and his fulfillment of those things. We see that in verse 44 of Luke 24. These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. The good news of the kingdom of God is that it has been fulfilled. It's happened some 2,000 years ago, but it is, it is the very source in which we look back and praise our God for the salvation that he has purchased in that time in history. That Jesus came into his world and paid the penalty for you and I. And Jesus told his disciples that the laws, of, the law of Moses and the prophets spoke of him coming and that he was the one who fulfilled those things. Verse 45, then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. Oh, Holy Spirit of God, would you illuminate us to these truths? That we would understand that you, from, from, from of old, from the foundation of the world, this is what you've revealed to us. And every portion of your scripture in the Old and New Testament. Christ opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he also said to them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead the third day. He's telling them what has already been prophesied. And repentance for forgiveness of sins will be proclaimed in his name to all the nations. Beginning at Jerusalem, you and I this morning are benefactors of this gospel message being proclaimed to all nations. I pray that you've heard this gospel message, this good news that the kingdom of God has come near in Christ Jesus. And this good news is, is forgiveness of sins and repentance, a change of mind that leads to a change in direction and how we are pursuing God and a change of mind and understanding of who our God is and, and what our sin has done that leads us to abandon hope and all other things other than what Jesus has done. He shows them and teaches them that it's always been the case and he has fulfilled what has God has revealed in his Old and New Testament. Will be proclaimed in the name of all the nations or proclaimed in his name to all the nations beginning at Jerusalem. He goes on, you are the witnesses of these things and look, I'm sending you uh, what my father promised, that's talking about the Spirit of God, the third person of our Trinity. As for you, stay in the city until you have been powered from on high. Jesus reappears to them and, and shows them and demonstrates to them from the Scriptures that this was God's way, this was always God's intention to save his people 
through the gospel of Jesus Christ. So the next point that he says is that the, the kingdom of God is near, right? We live in a dark, broken, cursed world. Scriptures declare that Satan is the god of this world, the little g-god of this world. He, he, is, he is out just trying to destroy and tear down uh, all that uh, magnifies God in our relationships and in this earth. We see the, the, the depravity and everything that's happening all around us. And, and sometimes we may be discouraged uh, and, and, and think what it would, this world would be like without this good news without this understanding that, that God has, has invaded this world and His creation through the good news of Jesus Christ, that the kingdom of God has come near in Jesus Christ. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is the King of this kingdom of God. And He has come to, to rescue and to to establish his his kingdom and to reverse the curse that has uh, been um, being carried out through all of human history this good news that God has come his kingdom is near in Christ Jesus we shared and talked about this verse a few couple weeks ago how this religious leader came to Jesus by night and asked or asked him we know you're of God and and Jesus cuts to the chase and says, cuts to the chase and says this, Truly I tell you, unless someone is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is near, and the entrance into this kingdom and being adopted, as we talked about last week, into the family of God is through Jesus, through receiving and believing Christ, and trusting your eternity and yourself to him. This kingdom has come near, but it's for those who receive and believe and trust in Christ can be adopted into the family of God and experience the kingdom of God. And all those who are of us are here this morning that are in Christ Jesus, we have a king. We are the kingdom of God on this earth. And Christ calls us to follow him and to allow him to rule and reign in our hearts, that he would be enthroned in our hearts and minds and and that he would receive glory in that you cannot enter the kingdom of god unless you be born of the spirit the baptism of the spirit that we've talked about in previous messages dietrich bonhoeffer was a uh, a german pastor during uh, world war ii he was um, ultimately imprisoned by hitler and executed because he participated in an attempt to assassinate Hitler. But he has, uh, I just encourage you, if you're into biographies, uh, just, a, just a tremendous biography of God working in his life and through that time of darkness in this world. But he wrote this, Our salvation is external to ourselves. Uh, ultimately, the picture of the kingdom of God is an understanding that this salvation is not with, from within us. It's nothing that we can do it's not from a worldly religious system. The kingdom of God is an external. It is because God has brought the kingdom of God to us through Jesus. Our salvation is external to ourselves. I find no salvation in my life history, but only the history of Jesus Christ. Only He who allows Himself to be found 
in Jesus Christ. Um, that means in His incarnation, right? God in the flesh. In His cross. His sacrificial work for us. In His resurrection. That we are buried with Jesus in death, but risen again to newness of life as a new creation because of His resurrection. He has defeated death. Therefore, those of us who are in Christ also have death defeated for us and eternal life promised. And only those who are in His resurrection, is, those are they who are with God and God with Him. It is the kingdom of God in a narrow sense, in a salvific sense that has been brought to us through Jesus Christ. And that is good news indeed. Colossians 1, Paul writes about Jesus coming, doing the sacrificial work for us as the, the Messiah, as the promised anointed one. What did He do? He rescued us. He pulled us out of the kingdom of this world and, and the God of this world and He rescued us from this domain of darkness, Paul writes, and what transferred us into the kingdom of the Son. He loves. That's some good news. If you're in Christ this morning, He's rescued you and transferred you into His kingdom, has adopted you into His family, these are all points of joy and that we should take joy and comfort from what God has done in this gospel, this good news. He goes on to say, in Him, right? In Christ, we have redemption. He's purchased us. The forgiveness of sins. This is the good news that Jesus proclaimed beginning in Galilee. And so how to receive this good news, this eternal life, this entrance into the kingdom of God, Jesus says it very explicitly. The first part of receiving and believing and being, gaining access into the kingdom of God through Jesus is to repent. And I've already spoken in great detail about repentance about three weeks ago. What that word means from the biblical understanding of the word, but it's ultimately this idea of a change of mind all of us, unless you were you know, raised in a Christian home and accepted Jesus at a very early age, but for those of us who've walked in this world without Jesus for a while, right? We, we were going a direction. We were, whatever that be, whether that be in religion or just seeking pleasure and finding anything in this world, right? All of us have different stories of what, that, what our lives looked like and what the direction we were traveling in, um, just uh, denying God altogether. And then pray, hopefully, Lord willing, that all of us have encountered Jesus and this gospel message that Jesus has come to save you and to rescue you. And for you to receive and believe and trust in that, right? you have to acknowledge the fact that the direction that you were going previously was not the means in which you can be saved. It's a change of mind that also calls you to forsake the direction you were going and follow Jesus and entrust yourself to Him. We can't just keep going one direction and add Jesus to the list. Jesus from His own very mouth said, Repent! 
you must understand the direction that you have is the, is the, the direction that will lead to, to death and to judgment. You must have a change of mind and forsake that way and to follow Jesus instead. To, that change of mind leads to that change in direction. The other side of the coin is to believe. To believe and trust in Christ's accomplished work alone. It's God's gracious gift, His unmerited gift extended to you. There's nothing that you and I could do in our own self-righteousness or works to be able to get it. And so God made the way. God demonstrated His love for us by right, providing the gift of salvation through His Son. Jesus paid your penalty and you must abandon hope and all else and believe and trust in Christ alone. I was going through just uh, doing some word studies in all my sermon yesterday. And I came across this definition of what it means to believe. And it just means entrust. Right? We have our eternal existence on the line. Jesus comes, the kingdom of God comes near, and Jesus, the long prophesied Messiah, shows up and says, Abandon hope in all else and entrust yourself to me. That could be a scary proposition. But wait, I, I, I. No, repent. Abandon hope in those things. Abandon hope in your religion. Abandon hope in your self righteousness and trust. Entrust yourself to Christ alone. Believe that it is He who can save you, that He is the way, the truth, and the life. It is only He that you can have access to the Father and eternal life. That is His words. That is the proclamation of the good news. The kingdom of God has come near. An entrance into this kingdom and the eternal realities of the, His promises are found through turning and abandoning hope and all else and entrusting yourself to Christ alone. It's what Jesus promised. We have historical records of what Jesus has said. In Luke chapter 6, He tells us that we are to entrust the reason why we are to entrust ourselves to Him. I could pull out many other passages, but this one came to mind this week. Luke 6, 46-49, he's talking to, uh, this is, if you have a red-lettered Bible, all the words that Jesus said were in red. This is in red. This is Jesus speaking. Why do you call me Lord, Lord? And don't say the thing, and don't do the things I say. I will show you what someone is like who comes to me and hears my words and acts on them. See, this idea of repenting and believing is hearing the words of the gospel and not just hearing them, but acting on them. I will show you what someone is like who comes to me, hears my words and acts on them. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood came, the river crashed against the house and couldn't shake it because it was well built. I can't read that passage of Scripture without envisioning. I lived in St. George in uh, 2006 or something. There was this huge just 
flood that came down. It was the, the St. George's is a desert. There's this, you know, washed up riverbed. It turned into this raging river and all these really nice expensive houses, you know, as, as the, as they do, they build closer and closer to the edge, right? And all of a sudden this river just comes in and starts eating away at the bank. And we see, you see the, I remember seeing these beautiful houses just fall into the, into the river as the, as the water raged. And that's the illustration he's given us now. Those who hear the words of Jesus and entrust themselves to him and abandon hope, you're building on the rock. And the promises given to us by God and his word and his demonstration of what Jesus did in his earthly ministry, his power over creation and Sickness and health and his ability to be tempted yet without sin. These are all means and historical evidences that why we are to place our faith and entrust ourselves to him. And he's telling us if we do so, it is like building on the rock and when the storms come, your house will stand. He can be trusted. But the one who hears and does not act is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. And the river crashed against it and immediately collapsed. And the destruction of that house was great. Abandon hope and all else. Change your mind about who God is and your sin and there's no opportunity for you to ever to appease a holy and just God in what you've done. There's no opportunity for you to have a second chance after death repent and then trust yourself to Christ and Christ alone and that is some good news the good news is that it doesn't depend on us it depends on Christ and what he's done for us and ultimately we see in verses 16 through 20 back in Mark chapter 1 Right, this good news, the good news of what Jesus entering into his creation, bringing the kingdom of God into this world. What are we to do with that? We are to answer the call to follow Christ. As a Christian, to be spiritually mature and to grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, we are to, to follow him. It is a sad, sad thing to, to have a Christian wither on the vine, is what we call it. When they profess Jesus and then they, they don't, aren't discipled and they, they, you don't see him again and you wonder. Because the call for us is to, as we encounter Christ in this saving way, in this good news, believing and trusting ourselves to Christ, we are to then follow him. We see that being played out. In verses 16 through 20, as he passed alongside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, Simon's brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. So imagine yourself, put yourself in their shoes, right? You're fishing, all of a sudden, Jesus comes to the shore, right? And look what happens. Follow me. He calls them out of the world and says, follow me. Jesus told them, and I will make you fish for people. Fishers of men, right? 
They were fishing for fish for the fish. But he says, no, I want you to follow me and I'm going to make you fishers of men. May we be a church that is full of people who desire to be fishers of men. That we can cast the net of the gospel to those around us in the city that they too may hear this good news of the kingdom of God. Jesus calls them out and calls them to follow him. Immediately, what is their reaction? They left their nets and followed him. Now, I don't know about you, but when I was saved, I didn't immediately have to just leave my secular job, right? And follow after Jesus because it's in the spiritual sense. But, but what about our hearts? Are we in the spot? Have we been challenged to not only receive and believe Jesus as our Savior, but to, to follow him, to grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus? It wasn't just Andrew and Simon, it's others as well. Going on a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat, putting their nets in order. Immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. We see Jesus calling them to follow him and to behold him. And as we see what I think is great about this, illustration as we look and study and we'll see in Mark, right, that even though these these apostles immediately or disciples of Jesus immediately began to follow, and they didn't do a very good job. They weren't perfect at it. Right? They had a lot of times of unbelief and doubt and backsliddenness and flesh fleshly stuff being f- washed out and the, the gospels record that for us. And so yes we are to follow Christ and that is our call for us as well. But I'm not telling you you need to be perfect at it. Are you willing though? Are you willing to follow Christ? Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 1, 22 and 24 about different people's reactions to the call of Jesus to follow Him. He says in verse 22, for the Jews asked for signs. So the Jewish people, give us a sign that we may show, that you may demonstrate to us that you're of God, right? And how many miracles are recorded in the Gospels yet? There were many who did not believe Christ and his claims that he was the Messiah. For the Jews asked for signs and the Greeks seek wisdom. But what does Paul say? But we preach Christ crucified. That Jesus came and died for us. That He paid the penalty for us. We preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block for the Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles. Right? Those are the responses of the Gospel. The the Gospel of Jesus dying for you on a cross. Often, people view us as Christians and the claims of the New Testament as foolishness or a stumbling block but paul goes on to say in verse 24 yet to those who are called both jews and greeks christ is the power of god and the wisdom of god i pray that that's you this morning 
That has called God, Christ has extended His call to you that you see the power and wisdom of God and what He has done for you in Christ Jesus. That the Spirit has, has convicted you of your need to trust in Him and Him alone. That's the good news of the kingdom of God. He has made a way. And for us that are, who are Christians and, and have encountered Jesus in this saving way and the fact that you're here this morning is a, a good uh, sign that you want and desire to follow Jesus. I just want to offer you this, this brief application this morning of resting in the good news and what God is doing even through persecution and adversity. The examples that I brought forth this morning, if you dig a little deeper, you'll see a people who are in adversity or persecution Luke 22, we discussed how Jesus shows back up after his resurrection and he, he shows them from the laws and Mo, of Moses and the prophets how it's always discussed that it was him. If you go up in uh, the previous passages in Luke chapter 22, you see two apostles going down the road of Emmaus very, very discouraged because they had an expectation that the Messiah would come and and, and deliver his people in a physical way. And Jesus going to the cross and dying, they were discouraged. They were without hope. And Jesus came to the rescue and, and demonstrated to them that it was important and necessary for the Messiah to die and to be raised from the dead, having victory over the consequences of sin, which is death. But they needed to be reminded, they needed to be shown that what Jesus had promised, He is faithful and able to deliver. And so for us, if you're walking in discouragement, if you're enduring persecution, may this be an opportunity this morning to be reminded that the kingdom of God is near in Christ. And if you're in Christ Jesus, you can rest in Him. That you can be reminded that the King of kings is your King. And He has promised to deliver you and to save you. John chapter 7 talks about John the Baptist. John the Baptist we saw in the beginning of Mark, right? He's proclaiming the good news, baptism, repentance, telling everyone all these people are coming out from Jerusalem and they're standing in the hills. He has this magnificent power. He's, God's working magnificently through him. He ultimately ends up getting arrested, right? We started the passage off in verse 14 that John was arrested. And then John chapter 7 John's in prison, and no doubt he is discouraged. He sends his, his disciples to go ask Jesus, are you, are you truly the Messiah? He went from this great power, demonstration of God's power, to, to doubting in the midst of his being persecuted. Go ask him, is he, is he truly the Messiah? Is he the one we're waiting for? Is it another? And he needed to be reminded of who Jesus was Jesus responded in John 22 and 23. He replied to them, Go and report to John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, and those with leprosy are cleansed. The deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor are told the good news, the gospel. And blessed is the one who isn't offended by me. In the midst, right? Imagine yourself in the in a prison, and I'm sure he... 
uh, didn't have, a, you know, a great view of the city in his cell. We can see John being discouraged and doubting, even though he's seen God work in this marvelous way. He needed to be reminded, and I pray that the Spirit reminds you this morning of who Jesus is, that he has brought the kingdom of God near, and he's asked you to forsake what's going on in this world and to follow him. And in him you will find meaning and purpose. That is what the scriptures call us to. And I'm thankful for this reminder. And I pray that the God of all things, that the Creator God, that the Holy Spirit of God would remind us throughout tomorrow and the coming days of what God has done in Christ Jesus, the good news of the kingdom of God. And we are His ambassadors. Let us look to Him. Let us find meaning and power in His name. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for this opportunity, God, to be reminded of, your, of what You've done for us in, in Christ Jesus, Lord. And I, I first